0: Hello, and welcome to the Smart Karma Podcast. I'm Michael Tegos. Every week on the podcast, we share a presentation and discussion from our Webinar Wednesdays when we sit down with Smart Karma insight providers and selected experts from around the world to break down the key topics you care about in Asia's markets. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pocket Casts, and so on. Thank you for being with us and enjoy the episode. Hello, and welcome to another Webinar Wednesday by Smart Carmo. I'm Michael Tegos. Today, I'm very happy to welcome back insight provider Michael Kostin. Michael will speak to us about changes in the Japanese consumer spending during COVID and the longer term issues in the country's consumer market, as well as the impact on retail and brands now and in the next five years. Michael is a co founder and partner at Japan Consuming, a specialist research firm producing intelligence on Japanese retail and consumer markets.
1: Michael, thank you very much for being with us today. The floor is yours whenever you're ready. Great. Thanks, Michael. Appreciate that. Good afternoon to everyone. I want to just uh, say thanks for joining this. I know you're all very busy. What I want to try and do over the next 20 minutes or so, is give you an overview of, of what's happened in Japanese retail and the consumer response to COVID. And, and then what's going to be the sort of impact of this over the next five years, both for consumers and then the corresponding impact on retailers. Um, so we'll get straight into it. But first of all, just um, just to summarize what we're going to talk about is the changes brought by COVID, both the temporary and the long term. Long-term social trends that backdrop to this because obviously they're still going on. COVID is not the only thing that's happening in Japan. The retail response both to COVID and also um, these long-term trends and what that means for investors or the kind of opportunities we see now and also going forward in the future. As Michael said, just to quickly to say that you know, we we're not financial analysts. We are retail marketing analysts. So I built this company over twenty years, and all we do is look at Japanese retail and consumer markets. We're pretty geeky about it, um, and I should point out also that seventy five to eighty percent of our clients are actually uh, retailers and brands. These kind of companies in include governments and so forth. So we you know very very much come from a marketing retail point of view. Uh, rather than f- financial uh, analyst point of view. What I'm going to do is just talk through um, the, the key changes now that have been happening because of Covid, starting with the, t- uh, the, the sort of temporary and longer term shifts. You know, some of these are very common around the world, um, but there's some specific Japanese idiosyncrasies as well within this. I will just go through some of these changes. Now, this is a brief summary of them, you know, people obviously stuck at home, they're eating and drinking at home a lot more, they're buying less consumer goods, um, particularly discretionary consumers and luxury goods, more um, shopping online and so forth. But the, one of the key points is they're seeking more value. And this is a long term trend in Japan, which I'm going to dive into a bit more. Just to give you some data, though, obviously very different across different sectors. But the overall key point here is that a lot of people work from home in Japan. And there's a lot more flexible working. So some of this doesn't come through in the numbers because people working in three, three four days in the office didn't count themselves as working at home. Big, one big, big change has been the, the, the collapse in business travel. And this actually was happening way before COVID. We've got some a lot of data on this. And so if, if anyone's investing in um, travel sector for businesses like business hotels, um, transport, like you know, bullet trains, and so forth, this this is not going to recover, in our opinion, to much to, to, to much extent. Most of the executives we talk to are very happy and comfortable using video meetings these days, and that's a big shift. For, as everyone knows, Japan was all about face to face meetings for, for pretty much everything, and that has changed dramatically uh, going forward. But equally, you know, people spending a lot more time at home. Home is, is, was anyway becoming a more valuable component in Japanese lives. This this, this searching for. A, a better balance between home and work was is, is a long-term trend for the last decade at least but it's been facilitated or is actually exacerbated by by covid depending on your point of view so it's 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 a it's a major trend one of the surprise perhaps for some people is that incomes continued to rise during the covid period this, this data you can see going through to around uh, august and um, this has been going on since about 2014 but you know, before that, we should point out that there were at least 20 years of negative wage growth. So it's uh, it's kind of catch up or recovery rather than um, full speed ahead. This didn't have a, a positive impact on consumption. Consumption has actually fallen. This is, a, this is versus a 2018 in this chart. Um, so you know, very clearly, consumption hasn't, hasn't increased. But where it has increased, so the other point is to spend part way it's just not just uh, you know, full-time workers. it's also part-time. This, is, this has continued to rise, this number, despite the relaxation of labour shortage. Labour shortage was really pushing out part time wages, but that's, that's softened now because of COVID. But nevertheless, part time wages continue to rise. And we expect it's it continues to a major impact, of course, on retail, because retailers are some of the biggest employers of, of part timers. Um, and so that does have an impact on operating margins, um, something to be watching out for, um, particularly with companies who are highly dependent on part timers like, you know, Celia and these other kind of companies. So, um, one to watch for. Where has there been spending and consumption um, in just a few pockets? You can see the obvious one is furniture and household. This is again a long term trend. Anyway, um, we were very bullish about anyone in the, in the home decoration market, whereas Notori, Muji, or, or various others. And that will happen for the next 10 years. We, we see a lot long term growth story in home decoration in Japan. And it was again something that was facilitated by the COVID experience. People spending more time at home, and spent more on their home, not just gadgets, but also home decoration. And this will continue. The yeah, other was food. Uh, as, as we talked about, people spending more on fresh food because they're cooking at home more, they want to get into healthier lifestyles and so forth. There's sort a of consciousness about health because of COVID et cetera, benefited uh, supermarkets, uh, general merchandise stores. we don't expect this to continue. There, there has already been some, you know, return to normality for the for supermarkets, but longer term, again, um, there is more consciousness about this. So that's, that's a sort of reasonable assumption to see better, better provision and better supply of, of healthier foods, particularly online. So online stories like Oishi's Radaichi, very positive about them going forward for the next few years as well. And I would watch out for, for companies like that, promoting um, healthier food options via online. Other areas you can see obviously you know discretionary items like clothing disaster, um, very, very tough indeed, um, culture and recreation and, and transport and so forth. Utilities maintain high because of um, prices and medical for obvious reasons. Just to go you quick, within the fresh, the fresh market and food, just to you know, just because we have the data, just want to show you. some areas very bullish, like alcohol, <laughs> very high, of course, because people are drinking at home um, and have more time to do so. But other areas like fresh, fresh fish and fresh meat, very very strong sales. Um, just, just a sort of general trend, and this this translates for companies who are doing things like meal kits. Uh, again, I mentioned the online businesses like Oishi Oishi, Oishi Radeki, very strong. And also online supermarkets. Um, We're very proud, for example, about Rakuten's move into this area with Seiyu. uh, Very very excited, and also Amazon with Life Corp. Life Corp is a very strong uh, supermarket chain, and Amazon's relationship with that is very exciting. So there's a lot lot happening in in, in food, and we believe that online food is one of the most promising sectors in, in Japanese retail at the moment, and for the next five years. So when they're not, they haven't been spending so much. And they they've had higher income. So where's it gone? It's gone to savings. You can see in this chart that um, the blue line is expenditure and, and savings, and on the, and the red line they touch at, at certain points in 2019, and 2020. Very significant um, shift uh, towards savings. And this is negative for temporarily, of course, but the the long term positive is that Japanese are wealthier than they have been for a long time. And there's a huge glut of savings which can now be spent as we come out of COVID, and we believe it's already happening. We're seeing very positive. um, Just talking the last couple of weeks to retailers, who've seen quite positive numbers from November and early December. So we're pretty bullish about the festive season um, through to through to January. Uh, I also want to touch on some long term changes, which en- anyway, going on in the background, COVID doesn't stop these, it's, they carry on and th- there's lots of them. Of course, you, know, you all know about the demographics, the contractual demographics, the labour shortage and the shift to online. These are big long term changes, but there's some others too, which I just want to highlight today. One is the massive growth in the number of wealthy. There's a, a kind of fragmentation in Japanese society, which has a big impact on retail most people in japan as as everyone knows, used to regard themselves as being middle class. This is no longer the case. We have a, a very fragmented kind of system uh, society s- social system in Japan now with massive growth in number of wealthy. Niura research does very good research on this and um not in this chart, but just one number is that there's been a 52% increase in the number of um, households with assets of liquid assets of over a million dollars just since 2005. So it's very, very significant growth. And as this chart shows just in the last couple of years, especially for the higher end. So the ultra high net worth individuals with assets of over $5 million is very, very high growth indeed. And this will continue over the next few years. It's not, it's not slowing down. Another trend is um, in, in the sort of background long-term trends I want to highlight. Is it comes out of some very interesting research that Nikkei X Trends does on marketing executives talking about the, the, the hottest issues for them. And the ones that are coming up at the moment are cashless payments, experiential consumption, i.e. buying services and experiences more than goods. Personalization is a very, very hot in trend indeed because it's become more easy to do for online companies, especially um, subscription consumption is a massive trend. We're very excited about, and um, there's very high margins in subscriptions. Um, and sharing a circular economy, of course, companies like Macari are doing very well. And then the senior market, uh, any company targeting that area, because companies to, to obviously watch, given that's the highest growth segment of the population. So, so a broad summary of the consumer behavior is we see going forward as a bit less time in the office. We see most companies settling for either full-time working gain or more likely a sort of three to four day working schedule um, with some work from home. More me time, this is a long-term trend anywhere in Japan, people trying to search out for their own personal uh, fulfillment as opposed to a national purpose. And this has been accelerated in, in during COVID. Conserving budgets, this remains a big trend in Japan. You know, COVID, has made Japanese consumers very cautious. And even though incomes have increased, as you saw in those charts, the savings have also risen dramatically. And we expect them to remain cautious, but to slightly, to open their wallets a bit more, especially their their e-wallets for the next few years. So, but this is a very strong story for discount, which I'll talk about in a minute. Savings, um, as I said, have ballooned. So we do expect more spending on high-end discretionary items which is good for department stores and so forth, but you know the, ne- the the sector as a whole is still negative for us, but there are a couple of companies within that, but equally online and uh, online, uh, luxury is, is, is doing well for companies like Zozo and uh, who just launched into luxury as has Rakuten and others. Um, so we expect that to continue. Also, domestic travel um, for leisure, not for business, uh, is increasing already. We've seen that just in the last month. And real Omnichannel, finally, we're getting, you know, the, the retailers have taken taken hold of what the e-commerce sector and have really started to work out how to do proper Omnichannel. And we're seeing some very strong growth stories in true Omnichannel retailing, which we're excited to, to, to see and to so we can talk about as well. So what's also happening while well, we have these uh, social consumer behavior trends going in Japan is, is significant retail disruption. Again, um, exacerbated by COVID. And I just wanted to just touch on these because it has a major impact. This is a sort of summary chart of what we're seeing happening across the, re- the main retail sectors. Overall, Japan still has way too many stores. I mean, this is now down to about 800, 850,000, this is 900,000 is the last census, but you know, anecdotally, we can say about 150 um, and falling. Uh, it will fall much more rapidly now. And so the sectors where we, we see um, major shifts going forward is GMS, which is general merchandise stores, to companies like Eon, Etiocado, which is part of seven and I, and so forth. Department stores, um, still very bleak outlook for the sector as a whole. Um, supermarkets, this is very exciting area where while we see the, the, the overall sales growth as being not, not significant going forward. There's a huge amount of consolidation to be done in this sector. It's the last big holdout in terms of. M&A and it'll basically what will happen to supermarkets in the next 10 years is what happened to drugstores in the last 10 years. And so big opportunity for investors from our point of view, um, basically the, the regional powerhouses are going to become national chains. And that's a summary of what's going to happen and, and add to that the potential economies of scale in, in private label, the operating margin growth story is very significant too. Drug stores, We are still bullish. I know some uh, quite a few uh, analysts out there uh, are not and haven't been for a couple of years. We we think they're wrong. We still see a lot of returns for investors, both in terms of growth but also M and A. There will be more consolidation. There will be more concentration because of the pressures on the market. But also, there's this, there's this shift into other categories, and other formats, um, both supermarkets, convenience stores, and, uh, and so on, which is very exciting. I'll talk about it in a minute. Fashion, um, you know, there's some stories remaining in fashion, which are very exciting. And uh, there will always will be new growth stories in fashion, so we tend to highlight those in Smart Karma insights, um, and we'll continue to do so. And consumer electronics, you know, they've had a good couple of years because of COVID. People buy more gadgets for the home, but you know, the, the competition from online is intense, and that will. Be this case going forward. Just to emphasize, just one example of just how much uh, we're seeing clo- uh, stores close in Japan. And this is the numbers for fashion in the last, um, just last year, uh, major colour. And this is the first time specialty fashion has seen a, a negative growth in, in store numbers. And this will accelerate uh, going forward. Um, what is happening is that they're, they're, they're building. Um, While some companies, like for example Uniqlo Japan, has has a negative growth in store numbers, they're building better, they're building bigger, better stores. But also, there's a shift for some companies to start opening showroom stores, so there's no no stock, but just um, uh, just samples which people can try on and, and then order for delivery to home. And we see this is probably becoming a main type of format for uh, lifestyle types of retailing going forward. We've seen do this in the, in the home market very successfully, and we will see fashion and, and other lifestyle companies do this more and more, And um, which is a very strong um, story for operating margin growth because from our analysis we'll talk about later, but there's there's sometimes a 50%, 50% um, cut in, in costs, operating costs. Major winners uh, going forward for us, are the obvious ones are e-commerce, um, drug stores and discount also convenience stores, which I mentioned are not going anywhere. There's a lot more to be done here, which we'll talk about in a minute. Although that sector is at saturation, um, they are not going anywhere. And then it, e-commerce, just to, just to highlight our own forecasts, are very strong, and very bullish going forward, you know, they still catch up compared to markets like the USA and the UK, which have much higher penetration. But I would emphasize also that e-commerce, while, we'll, while it will grow significantly in Japan, in our view, we'll never reach the levels of penetration of markets like the US or UK, just because of the way that Japan is organized in terms of demographics, the high levels of densities of populations and major urban centers. I mean, access to stores is very easy. And also Japanese like shops, and they just do like shops and they're all near stations, everyone goes by train. So it's very easy to access them. And so this idea of showrooming stores getting, for, getting sort of on true on-channel retailing kind of makes sense to us. So the store will remain a, a very important component of retailing uh, going forward in Japan. So even if we see less, pe- you know, less penetration of e-commerce in retailing, it doesn't mean that Japan's not advanced, it just means it has a slightly different approach to, to, to shopping. Just to one highlight that just how quickly uh, e-commerce has grown in fashion, for example, you can see this massive increase just in a year. So a five point increase and, uh, and uh, decimating for for department stores. As you can see the bottom, the bottom dark red right number there. Um, and that's, that will continue. But um, as I said, the, the, the store remains important component. Retail losers uh, over the next five years for us, the supermarkets, grab general merchandise stores, department stores and electronics, uh, and we'll go into why that is. But as I said, e- even within each of those sectors, there's still potential um, winners there. And as I mentioned, particularly in supermarkets, there's a huge amount of some consolidation happening and will be happening in the forward so where does this leave retail what's the retail response and how how can they survive in this um, in this very tough trading environment well this is our summary chart for really where we think that's going to happen in, in retail over the next five years and where the sort of the big stories are hub and spoke e-commerce i mentioned already so showrooming stores omnichannel last mile solutions improving last mile solutions meaning it's easier to do these kind of showrooming stores Discount retailing, incredibly exciting for us. And I'll talk about that in a second. More M&A everywhere and um, concentration in Japanese retailing across every category and every sector has increased significantly in the last five years as, com- as the best companies try to grab growth from in, in what is essentially a contracting in the market in terms of population. Uh, And particularly working age population, which means in the falling consumption in that in that sense. So the the the, the obvious response is to buy share and to buy growth stories, and this is happening significantly and across all all sectors. So concentration keeps increasing. For example, I mentioned about fashion how that's shifted. There's been a 15 point increase in market share for the top 100 based on our rankings, um, just in the last decade. I should mention experiential shopping, you know, malls and uh, department stores tend to get written off because of the e-commerce story and because of COVID, but there's still life in these old buildings yet, and there's more to be done. I could talk about that in a second. And convenience stores, more sharing, of course, just like in other markets. Um, Automation is probably one of the most exciting, uh, and high-tech logistics. These are the most exciting areas for us in terms of the potential for, for operating margin growth in Japanese retail in the next five years, because even when there isn't, Sales growth to be had in the, in some sectors. There will be operating margin improvements. Um, there has been huge pressure on Japan to invest in in, in, in making more in retailing more efficient anyway because of the labour shortage pre COVID, and that that spur to to shift is just increased anyway. Um, so we're we've been watching this a lot. There's a lot of going on in this area at the moment. Um, a lot of new technology is just coming to market now. Things like staffless stores and so on. Very exciting areas with, with significant improvement, improvements in operating margins. So just to highlight a few sectors which are very excited about drugstores. stores. Um, this is, as I said, written off by some some uh, analysts as being saturated. The, the, the market's kind of reached its its zenith and, and will decline from that, from now on, but not in our view. It's it's there's a huge amount still to be done. The general stores are catching up with convenience stores, as I say here. Um, it's an 8 trillion yen market already, but it's going to grow. Um, they are shifting into supermarket competition. They have more mopping up to of these independent uh, stores and small chains. That will continue. So the concentration of market share amongst the leaders will increase. There will also be more M&A amongst the leaders. Um, we haven't finished just with Matsumoto Kiroshi. There's going to be more of these headline um, deals coming forward over the next few years. But also the other story in, in, disc- in drug stores is this discount market. is fantastic. Cosmos Yakin, which is Cosmos Pharmaceutical in English, uh, of course, one of the leaders in this, Kasu Naoki as well, Genki drug stores and so forth. So very, very exciting potential market uh, development, both on the discount side but also in general um, drug stores, um, also in, in um, prescriptions as well, but it's a more technical market so I won't go into today. As I said, so so convenience stores, yes, it's saturated. We're actually going to see a decline in the number of stores in the next five years. Um, We're at 56,000 stores, we'll we'll end up with about uh, 50,000 or so, possibly even less, but they're not going anywhere. They've already adapted very fast to the fact that people are no longer going to offices and buying bento boxes in their their stores at lunchtime. Um, You've seen them start to open more sophisticated deli counters. For example, Lawson has this kind of department store style deli counter now in some 2 or or 3,000 of its stores. With higher margin products too. So it's an interesting story. So we expect to see daily sales growth for the leaders over the next five years, but also that coming from both new merchandise, but also more services. This the idea of them as being a hub for e-commerce, it continues. The big weakness for us is the lack of response in terms of e-commerce itself. You know, Seven and I particularly has, has handled this incredibly badly. Um, and so that the so sort of negative side to all this is is, is where just exactly what they're going to do for themselves in terms of e-commerce, rather than just being a, a, a hub for delivery and and pick up um, for for other companies. So um, that is an area we're slightly concerned about. But also you know, the other growth side, of course, overseas. In you know, a seven and I has led this, and there is there's more to be done in overseas markets. Uh, discount I mentioned already, but I'm going to just dive into a few companies here we're still very excited about pretty much anyone who's got a genuine discount story to offer the reason for this is because of massive pent-up consumer demand um one of my jobs pre-covid when i was allowed to do this for the last 15 years is to go around japanese houses talking to families and going through their budget books which they very kindly do with me and and show me what's happening in their in, in their consumption and um one of the biggest stories for me has been the squeeze on on family budgets because of the increase in prices in fresh foods, uh, particularly with other kinds of foodstuffs is also utilities. And some of these numbers don't come into the CPI because fresh food, for example, is not included. So it's a hidden inflation. And despite the fact until 2014, 15, we didn't see um, positive income growth. We saw negative income growth for about 20 years. So very significant pressure on households, which is. Come through, comes through as I mentioned, this fragmentation of Japanese society into less of a middle class, and more like a squeeze middle, and a, a working poor, and very high high levels of wealth growth on the other end. What does this mean? It means massive demand for genuine discount stories. But anyway, even even among affluent households, there's been a shift in in, in consumer behavior and mentality, moving from you know quality to good enough, and seeking out a bargain at any price point. Um, so. Even you know affluent households in Setagaya,ku in Tokyo, love to go to Kobe Busan Gilma Superstore, uh, for example, um, and and buy you know bargain tofu at half the price of the, the local supermarket, just because they can. So the, this this discount of so story for us is is the number one investment opportunity has been for the last couple of years. We've been recommending companies like Gilma Busan for three or four years now, but. Going forward as well, um, for at least five to seven years, um, any company with a genuine story is, is an opportunity. Don, Don Quixote, of course, so that's Pan Pacific International, which is doing a lot with this mega format, a mega Don Quixote format, um, moving more into food and to other areas as well, which we're excited about. Guillermo Super, so Kobe Busan is quite conserved about its own forecast. We're more bullish than they are. And we actually believe they will expand significantly beyond their own targets um, for. The reasons I mentioned, and um, they have a wonderful franchise system, a great relationship with their franchisees compared to the convenience store. For example, um, there's a lot to be done there. Um, but there are others. You know, the 100 yen companies are moving beyond that fixed price part of 100 yen. Um, Seria, for example, um, and Daiso, which is not, not listed yet, but probably will be, uh, and other companies like Pal Group, which is mostly a fashion retailer, but has this chain called Three Coins, which has doubled its sales in ten years, but just in the last year has increased by 25 percent very interesting as a listed company, but you know, there's a lot of fashion there too. So, but it will emerge out of that as a, as a very strong business. So basically what we're saying is that any is offering this story, and um, there's quite a few unlisted companies as well. Um, the obvious ones are Trial, OK Supermarket, uh, OK Super has everyone read about recently because of Kansai like Super, OK Super is a Phenomenal Retail, there's Lopierre, a few others. Some of them, some of these companies will list in the next few years and we highly recommend um, investors look at these companies. Sharing economy is an obvious one, everyone knows about it, it's a global phenomenon. Um, but to highlight from our point of view that Macari is not done yet, there's a lot more growth for companies like Macari. Macari itself has moved into Macari shops, Mac- Macari logistics, added value services into logistics, which is very exciting for us. Um, we don't believe Macari is anywhere yet finished um, adding on new segments to its business. And it can have um, significant and um, massive margin potential, for example, in financial services, both for consumers and also SMEs. Um, the overseas growth store is, is, a, is a potential one, not just in US, but also potentially in Europe, and so on. So there's, there's more to be done. Uh, and there are other companies out there. So we mentioned, I mentioned subscriptions. Um, subscriptions is a, is a big trend in Japan. So companies offering some monthly subscriptions to whether it's clothing or boxes of chocolates or whatever it happens to be, ice cream. There's hundreds and thousands of these companies now doing this. I should just emphasize that the, the margins tend to be, I've talked to a lot of retailers about it, so the margins tend to be about double um, what they get from standard retailing. So if you see a company doing good, this a very successful subscription model, I, I think it's something worth looking at. Uh, what about specialty? Well, specialty obviously very dependent on the company or, or the sector, um, but we do see at least even if there's no sales growth story to be done, there is operating uh, margin growth because of the shift to this uh, omnichannel model with e-commerce as the hub. And although e-commerce can be expensive and and, just to to build and, and, and to operate, the Japanese retailers tend to be learning quite quickly how to get better at this. And we do see um, this idea of showrooming stores being quite significant with a potential increase in pro- operating margins. With a, for example, a showroom store that exists now, which we've been analyzing recently has 50% less staff. The, 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 the store can be 60% or 50 to six percent smaller with the same merchandise in it. Not the same quantity of merchandise, but the same you know, sample base. Uh, and a simpler logistics store, more private label and so forth. So. Um, in some areas, we see you know, potential for a specialty to, to really expand. Um, and it's going to highlight also other options um, for specialty are to to, in, to expand into other categories, which we're seeing a lot of now, because in a contracting, depopulating market, you, you've got to ex- find new categories to expand into to grow. And the other is to shift your target, so target expansion. I'll just highlight a couple of companies in that area. One is, is Muji, so it's Ryohin which um, you know has is, is got incredibly ambitious um, targets for three trillion by 2030. This is more like a call to arms to its employees than a real number. But nevertheless, we do see significant expansion in sales for this for this retailer. We do believe they are right to move into food, and this is basically what they're doing. They're moving from just household and apparel into food. It's probably one of the most trusted brands in Japan, so this translates very well into into becoming a purveyor of food and uh, already it's been very successful the margins are terrific despite the generally low margins in supermarkets and other food retailers it's very very strong for real kicker so far and um it's one to watch in our opinion uh, as is as is all premium uh, food retailing, by the way um another is target expansion so workman has been a really great example we've been recommending them um, for several years now and um they still got some way to go although i think sales Sales growth has dropped off uh, recently, but we expect it to recover. You know, they moved from serving tradespeople, uh, construction workers and so forth to becoming a consumer facing business. And it's just been fantastic. They are taking on Decathlon, which has opened in Japan um, a couple of years ago, and is the big kind of threat from overseas, um, which has been given workmen a lot of focus to target to and, and to um, compete with and um is a a perfect example of where you can radically transform your fortunes by creating new targets for your business and there are other examples of this um which we can which we'd write about on smart karma we have a lot of insights on companies like goldwin um, which has been very successful in the outdoor market uh etc and there and, and there are plenty of others too so in specialty retail what i really want to emphasize is that You know, despite Japan's macro numbers looking negative in terms of population, GDP, and so forth, there are always new growth stories for various reasons, whether it's a new target expansion or category expansion, you know, Zozo is another one in e-commerce, which has very, very successfully uh, expanded categories in the last, uh, in the last year. Uh, finally, just a point about, um, about these old shopping malls and department stores, um, There there is still life in these buildings yet. Particularly some shopping mall developers. There's been this gap emerging between the best and the rest in terms of developers. So we do emphasise investment opportunities in companies like Mitsui Fudosan, um, Mitsubishi Estate, which has a very successful premium outlet business as well, and various others. Um, Also J-Farm Retailing, which has Parko and and of course its departmental business. So some companies are doing better than others. And Takashimaya is another one in department stores, which is finding ways to be profitable when, when other companies can't, of course not during COVID, but just before COVID. And we expect to bounce back for that. So th- there is life still in this. Um, Japanese consumers are still more than ever before seeking an analog experience in those very digital lives that are leading particularly post-COVID or during COVID and post COVID. So, There is there is demand for any any kind of uh, leisure facility which can offer that kind of experiential shopping and and entertainment experience, and there are still uh, good companies out there doing this, and the best are investing now to 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 deliver that for the next couple of years. So, again, those companies the companies to watch. So finally, and just to summarize all this, um, the opportunities for, obviously in e-commerce, um, we've mentioned, I've mentioned some of these companies, that, and there are um, insights on Smartcom about companies like Oisiks, Radeichi, um, Rakuten, and so forth. Uh, in the discount sector, um, as I said, pretty much any company in that, in that sector is, is, is one to watch and to invest in. Drug stores I, I mentioned about M&A, but also, again, discount and some specialty companies and retailers, so sectors and retailers um, and the convenience stores. Yes, it's saturation, but um, there is a lot still going on in that area, both for overseas growth, but also in domestic um, operating margins uh, and sale, daily sales per growth and find the sharing economy is definitely not done yet. Uh, yet. There's a lot more to happen, whether it's Japan or anywhere else. And finally, the wealth market which we uh, continue to see as being very positive. So luxury brands coming out of Japan, which is just starting, but also um, luxury online um, growth, uh, companies like Zozo just moved into. um, There are also some dedicated luxury uh, online businesses and also retailers emerging, who we think have a good and strong opportunity in Japan. Thank you very much uh, for your time. If there's any questions, I'm happy to answer them. Thank you very much for this, Michael. This was a very detailed
0: look into the market and we really appreciate it. One question uh, coming from the audience uh, is, uh, what would be uh, your 2022 high conviction equity trade idea in this space after everything that you've shared?
1: Yeah, great. I think the high conviction for me is the Further, probably an obvious one is, is the further growth of discount, and I'll be writing more about this shortly on Smart Karma, but there is, um, in, in my view, going to be a surge in, in, in spending a, a discount um, over the next year and then further emergence of, of these, uh, these discount retailers. And I would highlight um, the, the drugstore uh, discounters, uh, particularly Cosmos Pharmaceutical, and also um, Kobe, Kobe Busan. How this translates in terms of um, share price is something that um, we have to see. But um, I'm, I'm extremely have extremely high conviction on, on on the growth in this market. Got it. Thank
0: you very much. In terms of the the trend that you mentioned, uh, employees not going back to the office anytime soon. Are you noticing employers trying to make any concerted effort to get employees back to the office? Like, are there, uh, for example, incentives and things like that, or is it kind of a done deal in this respect?
1: Yeah. Although working for home rates increased dramatically during COVID, there has been a shift back to going to work in the last few months, and both uh, encouraged by employers, but also by office workers also wanting to spend more time back in participating in in the office structure. So that has increased. And what we're sort of seeing now is a kind of rebalancing sort of a move towards three to four days at the office and and, and the rest at home. So there's a sort of balance emerging in that. And so there's definitely a push by quite a lot of employers to encourage um, office workers back in. And um, that will continue after after the new year probably more strongly depending on what happens with, the, with omicron but it, it tends to be the, the assumption is it's a mild as a mild variant and that this there will be a positive response for it socially so we do believe that there will be more working in the office going forward so the impact for you know there'll be positive impact for convenience stores which have had the toughest time in terms of uh, retail sales and we're starting to see that just beginning to emerge just in the last couple of weeks but we will see a shift back to convenience store spending um, going forward in, in the in the new year, assuming assuming that people do continue these patterns of returning to to work. That does seem to be a major part of the chain,
0: um, as you also mentioned during the presentation. And I guess malls are another part of uh, another piece of this puzzle, right? Yeah, just because of the
1: proximity, I guess. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we, this has already been showing up in, in, in early December numbers. Um, you know, and so we do expect to see a recovery to some extent, we, we started to see this even in October, I think, shopping mall uh, sales for October, were net positive, even on 2019. Um, so that's, that's quite a significant shift. So we do expect this to come back. Yeah, as I said, in the presentation, Japanese love Love shops, and so that component of, of of the purchasing experience won't go away to the same extent it has in other markets. I mean, you've got a geography like you know the, the USA where there are certain areas, for example, in you know in the, the Midwest, where getting to a store can be a, a thirty kilometers, so thirty mile uh, drive. So it's it's a very different market with with immense you know concentrations of population in in four conurbations. In Japan, um, with more than you know, fifty close to sixty percent of of the population, in these big conurbations, and that's actually increasing this net migration. I didn't have time to show you these this data, but there is net migration uh, into cities, even 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 in COVID, though that settled down because some people started to move out. But but basically, the longer term trend is net migration, both of young people and old people um seeking services and welfare services in, in in bigger cities where the tax base allows for better services so we expect that to continue so access to stores in other words remains very easy and will continue to be very easy compared to some other markets whether it's china or the us got it thank you very much i uh, i guess that
0: partially uh, answers the next question as well, which uh, kind of follows up on your previous mention of uh, the drugstore sector as a, a high conviction uh, one. You mentioned during your presentation how those stores are sort of branching out into new business and uh, you know going into the supermarket business, for example, but mm-hmm. uh, what are some of the major trends that are boosting these, these stores in particular? Are, is it, is it kind of like the the increasing population in urban centers, as you mentioned, or are there other factors that you have observed as well? Yeah. So,
1: for, for drugstore uh, expansion into into other formats, particularly supermarket sort food and 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 even convenience stores, um, the big weapon is price. So there's there's two 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 ways of coming out of this. One is to um, and be able to cross-subsidize. So they subsidize food discount prices using the high margins in medicines and cosmetics, um, which this is which is a, a model followed by Cosmos Pharmaceutical and others. And the other areas is also that they can um they have a very efficient operating model. Um it's quite ruthless in some cases. And so, for example, Welse's case, where they're moving into the convenience store uh sector in in the urban centers, they can compete against convenience stores on price, no question because they they have the eon supply model there. so it's, they have ability to to compete on price um, because of the also the the, the scale across the country. Um, but also because their operating model, the store operating model is tends to be more efficient because they're they're all direct employees. So uh, the, whereas convenience stores are a franchise model. Um with a certain rigidity to it, We has um, all the stores are pretty much directly operated, and it employs its own staff. and this is, this comes through in its in its uh, operating model, so it can it can compete very effectively. so in terms of in terms of competition for supermarkets and convenience stores, we're very worried for both those sectors because the drugstore retailers are proving to be very effective. And they tend to cherry pick because they they choose merchandise categories where they can discount very heavily uh, and still make a profit. Um, so t- that also helps, so they're not they're not they're not selling every. And they're not having to like a supermarket sell every product. They're doing a kind of Aldi little type model where a limited number of SKUs or SKUs and um, deep discounting on those to, 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 draw in the customers. So, and um, they are formidable. They're very formidable competitors. And I, I worry for uh, the supermarket sector in that regard. And indeed, even to some extent, the convenience store sector, although, as I said, those convenience stores uh, are not companies to, to underestimate. That is very, very interesting indeed. Thank you. Um,
0: and finally, I guess, and and maybe following on a bit from that, are you seeing increased potential for consolidation then uh, in, in those sectors among major brands? And have you identified any um, strong potential acquisition targets?
1: yeah so that's very much consolidation is 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 the other big theme apart from discount for us in terms of retail overall across all sectors um all categories and we we will we'll see more of this um but in some some areas more than i said about drug stores um you know acquisition targets is 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 trickier because japanese um corporate politics uh means that that it's not entirely a rational process in terms of, you know, merger and acquisition, <laughs> negotiation and development. So it can be t- difficult. But some of the mid mid so in the top 10 of drugstores, for example, in the mid rankings, there are a few companies who we think would either serve themselves well by merging together or to be taken over by Tsuruha or else or at the top. But both those companies are, are, are seeking um, targets, both among the middle ranking and also the lower ranking. So, so they're, they're obvious. Those are obvious targets. In, in, in our le- recent review of drugstores on Smartcom, well, there's an insight there with the rankings and, and, and highlights which companies um, we believe uh, are, are, are right for either merger amongst themselves or, or take over by one of the larger companies.
0: Thank you very much. And uh, there you have it. Thank you, Michael, very much for your time today. Uh, this has all been uh, extremely interesting. And if anyone wishes to uh, learn more, I encourage you to follow Michael's profile on Smart Karma. And that way you won't miss any new insights that he publishes. Uh, and if anyone wishes to engage Michael for bespoke research services, uh, you can contact your Smart Karma account manager and they will help you out. If you have any other questions or comments, you can always email us at research at smartkarma.com. Uh, thank you, everyone, for being with us today. Uh, Michael, thank you for bearing with us and thank you for your valuable insights. Thank you. That's it for this week. If you like this episode, please share it with your networks and follow Smart Karma on your social media. We're Smart Karma everywhere. And of course, Don't forget to visit smartkarma.com for truly independent, differentiated investment research. As always, thank you very much for listening, and see you at the next one.